What's up, my friends? This episode is with Duncan Trussell. Duncan is a stand-up comic, writer, actor, and host of the podcast, The Duncan Trussell Family Hour. The man's ability to go on an extemporaneous rant and somehow tie it back to a relatable point is mind-blowing. <laughs> and I really respect how honest and self-effacing he is. Here's a quick clip from our conversation. One thing that I'm try- trying to do is, is to, to be less ashamed of being a, an overt... Um, uh, God. Healer. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to heal. I want to be that, you know? And, I, and I'm like, in my podcast, I always have to like tiptoe around it because I don't want to sound didactic. So it's something I'm really working on right now is because it's like, because you don't want to sound so sappy. It's, it's such an embarrassing thing to say, man. If this is your first time tuning into my show, welcome. On this podcast, I sit down with big wave surfers, filmmakers, psychedelic explorers, and any other true seekers who catch my curiosity. If you enjoy this episode, you might also like number 57, titled Can Psychedelics Cure Depression with author Dr. Jim Fadiman. You might like number 53 with Dr. Chris Ryan or number 39 with the head doctor at Rhythmia, which is the first medically licensed ayahuasca treatment center in the world. I went down to Costa Rica to do the podcast. I am having a sneezy, wheezy, dusty day in Santa Cruz as I unpack from Burning Man. Then I'm heading straight back down to Topanga Canyon, where I've been staying for the summer, crashing on friends' couches, podcasting, and working to sell a TV show called Spotlight Blue. The concept around the show is that we use water as a lens to look at interesting ideas and cultures and issues. There's been some progress on that. I can't talk about it yet, but... Things are moving along, slowly but surely. The plan next month is that I'm going to get a van. Hashtag van life. My thinking around this decision is that I'll be able to take the podcast on the road. If I go down on a surf trip to Baja or head up to the Pacific Northwest, I can be more mobile. And a few previous guests, like Dr. Chris Ryan, filmmaker Cyrus Sutton, are both van lifers, and the idea is becoming more and more attractive to me. So if anyone in Topanga has property that they'd like to rent or knows of a big sprinter van for sale, hit me up on Instagram or my website, kyle.surf. Not kyle.surf.com, just kyle.surf. Big thank you to Corey. Thank you to Watson for donating on Patreon this week. It's listeners like you who help keep this show going. Anyone who donates to the podcast automatically gets entered into a monthly raffle where I give away gear from my surf sponsors, including Patagonia Provisions and RPM Fitness. So you could donate 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever you can give, and you'll automatically be entered into a raffle where you could have a new fitness kit sent to your doorstep. If you don't have cash, there are a bunch of other ways that you can support the show that don't involve your wallet. Giving the show a rating on iTunes, sharing it with a friend, it all helps, guys, um, and I really appreciate all of the support, and it's been one of the great joys of my life to see this podcast growing so quickly. All right. Once again, you can head over to my website, kyle.surf, to get in touch with me. I try and reply to all of my emails, and without further preamble, I give you Duncan Trussell at Burning Man. 
Kyle Thurman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Dr. Bronner's. The foam dome. The foam dome. Yes. Blasted with sweet water and foam. It felt so good. My God. That's what I love about this beautiful desert is that it teaches you to appreciate things. Because when you don't have them, you know, when you don't have them and suddenly you're just getting drenched with ice cold water. Ugh. Isn't it amazing? Yes. It makes me think about that scene in the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks where he finally gets rescued yeah. and he's in the plane on the way back and he looks in his cup holder and there's just a cup of ice. Yes. Yes. And it's just like, my God. It's impossible to get in certain yeah. situations. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely one of the gifts out here that it gives you is it gives you the most delicious turkey sandwich of your life. If you've ever been without... <laughs> warm food for a long time camping whatever you yeah. know what it's like to suddenly meet actual food and that's a beautiful thing it really is it's beautiful out here it's one of the most incredible um it really is one of the most incredible art experiments i'm, I'm aware of uh, yeah me too i think that it it's a society that's set up for people to have these kinds of like life affirmations that's right in a very condensed experience yes like I told you about my my experience yesterday like I got naked in front of a bunch of people yeah and it was like this this thing of like all right like you have this opportunity now to get over your embarrassment that's it. of being naked that's it and yeah. in society like you know you get naked on the side of a corner and you know you'd be arrested like it's not like in society we're set up to make it easy on ourselves yeah Whereas here, you can have whatever experience you want, and you never know when it's going to happen, but it right. happens more op often than not. Yeah, that's right. It's a, I mean, the, the, the beautiful thing about it is no one's going to define what this is except the people who are here. Yes. And so everyone has their own definition. But I do think there's some overlaps in where people agree with what it is. And I think one of the things that it's doing is it's, it's, it's going to show you where you're blocked, and it's going to give you a chance to get unblocked. And it's going to happen in little ways. You know, like, you're blocked because you need the internet. You know, you're, or you're blocked because you think you need a lot more comfort than you do. Or you're blocked because you're ashamed of your body and you don't want to get naked in front of a bunch of people. And I think that, like, that, that final one, for me, it was a huge block. And I think the problem with having that block is that it means you kind of fucking hate yourself and it means you kind of are ashamed of yourself or you might not hate yourself but you might be overly concerned with judgment of other people yeah well it's well it's uh, ingrained into us like as men as young boys like straight from like the locker room days like i remember yeah. in, being in 7th grade and i didn't have pubic hair yet and right. some of the kids had already gotten pubic hair. Yeah. And it was like a major form of embarrassment yeah. in my life. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Yeah. And for that little like three-year period where some of the kids have hit puberty and some of the kids haven't, yeah. I think there's a lot of shame that's brought on to people yes. 
and we're our societies aren't really set up in a way to unblock that shame. Yeah, and and then and then and when you and so and then when you consider the inarguable truth that if you're in a universe, you're part of the universe, and then you consider that the little part of the universe that you've identified with, you're actually ashamed of. Then in a weird way that means you're ashamed of the entire universe. So you're literally, in some form, making this insane judgment that the universe itself must be imperfect. Because if you are feeling in some way shame over whatever the thing it is, then and that's who you are. In your most basic form. In your most basic form, then that means that you can't accept being part of the universe, that you're resisting the universe, or it means that you think you live in an imperfect universe. And if you think you live in an imperfect universe, then you probably are having a pretty rough ride right now, you know, because that means that you're in a kind of chaotic vortex of entropy, an entropic chaos vortex that has no spirit, no light, no, when I say light, I don't mean obviously there's light, but no. Um, it doesn't have a direction. It's directionless, ambivalent, and ultimately obliviates itself, right? And and those are like, that's an okay to th- thing to think. And I think some people uh, feel like that's an okay thing. But what I find when I come out here is a reminder of what is possible of what yes what is possible and what the universe is what do you think the universe is well i think it's a it's i think it has characteristics i can't say what it is <laughs> but i think there's characteristics it's a damn good cup of coffee <laughs> yes that's what it is oh, yes. <laughs> meaning of life for sure that's certainly in that moment that's what it is when you are drinking a cup of coffee then you then that is what the universe is and that is a benevolent universe if you ask me the universe is benevolent and the universe is perfect. So those are, those are qualities that I think are in the universe is uh, benevolence and perfection. Mm. And so <clears throat> when you're afraid, then you see the universe in the, on the other side of the coin, which is evil and imperfect, right? And out to get you. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's, it's like baring its teeth at you. But the truth of the matter is, you know, once I was talking to some friends of mine who were in the psychedelic community, and I was like relating to them the paranoia I feel about uh, being a psychedelic advocate to some degree, or, or publicly stating the belief that it, that it can be helpful for a lot of that people. It's a very healing thing yeah. and a transformative thing. And they said to me, "Listen, if they want to get you, they're going to get you. Like if the government or if some world power decides they're going to." To get you, they can get you. Look at what happened. I think it was in Chicago. Just videos of cops planting drugs on people. It's like if the government wants to get you, it will get you. And Tim Leary got busted. They planted weed on him. You know, they get you if they want to get you. That's the thing. In the same way, if the universe wants to eat you, it's going to eat you. Right. Because you're inside the mouth of a super entity. And if the thing decides to bite you, it's going to bite you. Which means there's only one option. Unless you think you can fight the entire universe. If you're in the mouth of a fucking super entity and you think that you can stop it from chewing you up, like a little piece of rice, and someone's burrito is like, I'm going to fight this. <laughs> Go ahead, rice. But it's not going to work, right? So then the only option must be surrender. 
You know, surrender to it. Let it eat you. And trust that that is a benevolent act. So that's what I, that's what I think the universe is. And uh, part, part of the, any teacher or communal teaching place is it's going to, like, identify where you're, you're not surrendering, right? Yes. And then it's going to say, look, why don't you try to surrender here? Can you do it? Can you do it? In, in absurd ways, like what you did. Like what? Have you talked on your podcast about what you did? No, I haven't. So why don't you describe so, what you did? So there's a <laughs> there's a competition called the Slut Olympics that happens every year at Burning Man. There are various disciplines where there are sexual Olympic yeah um, there are sexual Olympic disciplines. So like one is a speed boner contest. Yes. So you go up with a partner and you have to have a flaccid cock and you have to get a boner in front of. 800 people yeah and there's a guy on the mic who as soon as you start to potentially get a boner will be like come on little buddy you can do it you can do it it's not a it's it's not a bone unless it stands on its own so as you might imagine getting a boner in front of 800 in front of 800 people not to mention we have uh, an art car out here called the Bounce Mobile. So, uh, so my brothers, all of my best friends, all of their girlfriends. Yeah, and it was. Um, and you did it, it man. Was, it was a wild experience. Yeah, man. I I dropped my pants. I had a big captain's hat on. <laughs> I, I had a robe. Yeah. I opened it up. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, I got naked in front of a bunch of people. And you did it. And I fucking did it. And I didn't get a boner because I was super nervous. Yeah. Another guy got a boner. And he had a way bigger dick than me, too. Like, the guy next to me had, like, this super Listen, hog. This is the other problem. This is, like, right? this is like one of the great difficulties as a guy. Like, whatever you think your reason, let's, if you just get down to the bottom, tr- the real truth about why you might feel a little nervous about taking your clothes off in front of people is a lot of people are not, or like a little, like they, you don't want to admit the fact that there is a dick continuum. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and there is, okay. There definitely is. There's a continuum of dick sizes, right? And you land somewhere on that fucking continuum. Wherever you land, it doesn't matter. That's where you're at. But, you know, that, that to like overcome that, that problem of like looking around and seeing guys who have like, just fucking massive, just <laughs> elephant trunk dicks. And like just dealing, that's not your lot in life. Like when you were choosing this incarnation, for whatever reason, maybe you weren't like, give me the elephant sized dick. You know, you're like, just like, let's just have a normal yeah, cock. Just, so that's what, that's one of the weird things you've got to deal with. It's, you, yeah, it's super weird. And we're taught to be embarrassed, ashamed, ashamed. And I think that like that was like, that was the freeing moment. Like, I wouldn't even consider it, like, a sexual experience at all. Right. It was just, like, the reason I did that was because there aren't a lot of opportunities in life to get over that fear that's of right. being naked. Like, that's you can right. go camping with a few friends, and you can all get naked yeah. and jump in a river. But that's different than actually trying to get aroused. Yeah. And it was a cool, empowering experience. That's right. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sure many people listening are like... What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> That's fucked up. What the fuck? What the fuck? Right? Well, and, and I understand that. But uh, the the one of the things that has, has always been quite 
interesting to me. And one of the seemingly unexplored or, or mostly unexplored absurdities of human existence is the fact that we have to wear clothes or it's called indecency, public indecency. So if you walk outside naked, then you'll get arrested. You So just to look exactly the way that the universe made you in our society is an illegal act. And it's something that for whatever reason is just it's somehow overlooked like we're shooting rockets into space we are using CRISPR to 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 edit genes <laughs> make your kids have blue and, eyes and be six yeah. six and yet our physical form is illegal we live in a world where the state has given itself the ability to take us to a dungeon if we are seen in public in our original form. Now that is an indication of society's disconnect from truth, I think. It's a indication that society right now is quite disconnected from reality because if we have criminalized, not only criminalized, but we've named the type of criminal act indecency, that we are saying it is indecent to be who you are. It's indecent. It's like that's like a George Orwell statement. Yeah, like indecency is to be who you are. Yeah, do not be your authentic existential form, the part of you that is extruding into reality. You must clothe it. You must cover it. And where it gets even more fascinating is that women. And see, I've had this problem with my girlfriend. My girlfriend is a model, and she takes like nude pictures sometimes and she's beautiful and the pictures are beautiful and like but man I get all up in my fucking head about it and I've gotten in like real like big arguments with her and at times I'm ashamed to say I've been like controlling and I'm like I don't want you to do that and now I'm past it or I'm getting past it thank god but it's like the what's been like programmed into us is this like idea that uh, the the human form is like there's something about it that's like that we it's imperfect well yeah and you're 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 imperfect and the second you're you know 22 years old you need to start chasing something that's receding away from you yeah especially for women yeah especially for women yeah. how, so how have you kind of how are you moving past that I'm moving past it right now I mean part of it is like the way you didn't you never like so like I, when you get a karmic block like right now my theory on on things right now or the theory I'm playing around with like whenever I throw out a theory I, I like to preface it with a Robert Anton what Robert Anton Wilson said you know Robert Anton no, Wilson who, no who's that he's an incredible philosopher um, but one of the things that he said is well we have to re- the the there's a, there's a place called the Chapel Perilous when you begin to practice magic you will begin to experience a series of profound synchronicities, right? And when I say practice magic, when you open yourself up to the possibility that we don't live in an... An imperfect universe. Indifferent universe. universe right. Um, 
then all of a sudden like stuff will start yeah. happening really so, fast. So, so you're like, talking like you're talking about like, like expecting a miracle to happen in your day kind of yeah, outlook yeah, on the world. Yeah, when you yes, and there's a and, and like we've heard it so many times in so many different watered down, corporatized, commercialized ways. Manifest your reality. Ten steps by my book. You know that it the people their immune systems kind of worked up to that kind of talk, and I get it. So a lot of people are like that's it's an eye roller, right? But if you just play the game and give it a shot by doing what you did throwing generally one of the one of the ways to do it is to throw yourself into a completely uncomfortable and ridiculous situation because essentially you have set up a um for yourself we like to think we're controlled but more than likely you have sort of bifurcated your personality and you have a little lifeguard living inside your head and the lifeguard has created buoys, and those buoys have created a little square, and that is the square within you, which you operate. That's where you swim around, and that's where you feel safe, right? So anytime you get close to one of the boundaries, the lifeguard will start blowing the whistle. Yeah, get the fuck out of there. What are you doing? Get the fuck back. Get the fuck back. Get out of there, right? So when you, when you have the guts or if you sneak past the lifeguard or if you put the lifeguard to sleep by using psychedelics or whatever, and you swim... That's the F-14. Whoa! Want to go look at it? Pause and look sure. at the F-14. Yeah, let's pause it. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. The F-14s, man. If an F-14 flies over, you got to go look at it or you're absolutely fucking crazy. Not yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so when you, when you, uh, so anyway, the point is when you put yourself, when you swim out past the buoy, the lifeguard, the, the lifeguard buoy. Then suddenly uh, you find yourself in unexplored waters, and then in those waters, winds blow differently than what you're used to. Yeah. And the way those winds tend to blow, if you swim out of those waters with the right intention, is uh, those winds tend to blow in the form of synchronicity. Yes. And that so that creates a situation called the Chapel Perilous, which is you can end up lost in this world of like you can go deeper and deeper and deeper into this world of like pure synchronicity and uh so robert anton wilson advises remaining agnostic like well it could be but it also could not be you know it, we're not let's not let's not fixate on too much on whether a thing is good 100% or hundred percent true all the time maybe right. some things are true part of the time or maybe some things are true during certain seasons or during certain ceremonies or rituals or whatever so that's that's the idea so um the thing i've been exploring is the uh, idea that um what we are as human beings is um uh, a projection of the universe into time and so that what ultimately what we are true identity is a kind of super intelligent uh, incredibly vivid, incredibly beautiful, um, infinite space, which some people call source. And we, somebody, somebody give me the best word for it. We instantiate ourselves into this dimension as people. And so we come from that space as a person and we live our lives, right? And so right now what we are is sort of like, a, you're like a, a inflatable that the universe has blown its life into and it's blown it into this dimension. And so in this dimension, you get all caught up in yourself and your life and this person that you're in, right? And so the, your, what you can do 
as this person that you currently are is you can begin to heal this person that you currently are. And I think that what's happening is that the universe is filling up these people balloons that we call ourselves and that our job is to begin to heal the trauma of of the being that we are currently inhabiting because this being that we are currently inhabiting it's not us and if you consider the idea that once a thing happens it has always happened this is known as history right so um washington crosses the delaware right that, that always happened that's not there's not going to go back there's not going to be a time when that didn't happen september 11th it happened. It happened. Yeah. It, so, so if we look at the times, if we sort of lift off of the time-space continuum, and we look at it not as like a past, present, future, but we kind of like a plane taking off from a runway, we realize that what we have are sort of temporal tunnels that have been sort of tunneled through time. And those temporal tunnels, that's every human life that's ever lived. And so... If we are the universe, then that means that we could literally decide to pop into those tunnels over and over and over and over and over again. And that creates a kind of process of refinement, much like polishing a stone or something like that. So right now, this being that you're inhabiting, which is not you permanently, it's you right now, is in need of healing. And you can begin to heal it by recognizing your hangups. Where are you blocked? Where are you stuck? So so how did you get over the hangup around uh, body image with your girlfriend? Well, That's you, how we got on this whole yeah, little well, yeah, initial... Yeah, so so to answer your question, it's it's a there's no like instantaneous cure for things. I think that's one of the problems is people think that it's like that, that it's like a chiropractic adjustment that we can just pop our karma right. into place. And I, I've heard that that's possible, but so the essence of the thing is this, we have to choose between the binary is we have to choose between love and fear. Yes. That's it. Choose between love and fear. And that's the choice. So it's like, I love my girlfriend. And if I don't want her to get naked on camera, it's because I'm afraid of losing her. That's it. It's an obvious no-brainer. It's like it's like it's not like I think being naked is bad. I look at porn. You know what I mean? I'm not like looking at porn and being like, "Ah, these well, look at these terrible women and how dare they do the thing." I like That's it. someone's daughter. Yeah, yeah. That could be someone's girlfriend. I'm not thinking that. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes I'm thinking that and that's maybe turning me on even more. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So it's like obvious that my ethics ethics when it comes to that is is not as though like if i let's say i was like raised a protestant or a mormon or i was raised in some like fundamentalist orthodox religion then i could have an argument for being like well i don't want her to be to take her clothes off right. because in my tradition we view that as unclean right so what's the conversation that happens inside your head when you're struggling with that you ask yourself Am I making this decision out of fear or am I, am I making this decision out of love? And if the answer is fear, then just make a decision out of love. And, and that's all you can do. Because you can't like, <clears throat> like, you can't push love. You know, you can't push love. Love's a decision. Like, you, you can hug people. You can tell people that you love them. You can go up to people and like embrace them. But there's, 
and that's easy. But every once in a while, you'll get a chance where the thing is in front of you, the thing, you know, the thing you're afraid of. And you can fucking decide at that moment, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to love you right now. I'm going to love this. This is happening. I'm not going to control it. I'm going to love it. And the moment you do that, for real, even a little bit, and even the moment you make the attempt to do it, just the attempt and fail, just fucking fail, even the, just fail at loving, you still win. You have done your job. You have, like, the, the fucking rose petals are falling from the air. You can't see them, but they're there. Flaccid cock and all. Flaccid cock and all, man. The fucking heavens are ringing their bells. He did it. He did it. He did it. He did it. He's learning. He's learning. He's learning. So it's like, that's, it's an ongoing process. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But it's like, the moment you can figure out the binary, love or fear, love or fear, Pick love, pick love. Oh shit, are you afraid? Pick love. You're afraid to die? Fall in love with dying. Yeah. And know? on every corner out here at Burning Man, you have that choice to make. And it's constantly pushing that little raft, as you're saying, out of those buoys, That's out right. of those buoys. A lot of people don't want to go to the temple oh, because that is an, an intense spot yeah. where you are really forced to confront yeah. love or fear. For, for those who don't know, the temple is the other main structure at Burning Man that's intricately built. There are no nails. Um, it's huge, and there are pens on the, the walls where you can write notes to those who yeah. have who you've lost in your yes, life right. and people write you know heavy shit and and you know they put ashes there they put photos of friends and lovers and yes. pets and there's a lot of grieving going on and also i see you know there's still a lot of um of hate that people feel like on on those walls some of those people yes. saying like fuck you yeah i still don't forgive you yep. you know and then there are other notes where people say i should have loved you more That's and right. then there are notes where people say i love you and i'm thinking of you yeah and i'm honoring your soul right That's now. right and the fact that we have this set up in this little micro society shows how healthy it is because people there, every time I go to the temple, people are going through some kind of transformation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, you go there to sob. I mean, you, you go there and you just sob and you, and, 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 and this, this is the, so, uh, this is why community is so important and, and something that we, people have like have problems and and some problems clearly are greater than others so obviously in places where there's famine real famine that's like the one the, those are the great problems of the world especially when we know that there's people who have 20 billion dollars in their bank account and there's famine how do you have 20 billion dollars in your bank account and there's like people starving how do you do that, like in your head? Anyway, that's a different podcast. But there's famine everywhere, right? So there's different forms of famine. And I think there's clearly a hierarchy of famine. If I have to choose between being hungry or lonely, I'm going to pick lonely. You know, if I have to choose between being starving or, or for food or starving for sex, I'm going to choose yeah. starving for sex over starving for food because it's not an existential threat. Yeah, Mas Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things that... Uh, I, so I'm just saying that so people don't think I'm, I'm, I'm implying that there's some 
equivalence in famine or something. But what I'm saying is a lot of people are malnourished uh, when it comes to community in, in the West. So we have our friends, our little group of friends, and we have our neighborhood, and we have the people we whatever grocery store we go to we might run into clerks there that we have a very ambivalent relationship with most people don't live in thriving massive communities that are based on very specific principles that all sort of revolve around liberty and connection and healing and environmentalism and the sort of Acknowledgement of death. Acknowledgement of death and the embracing humanness. And so when you, when you come here, you, you, you get to be around that and you realize that it, what, it, it, community kind of acts like a poultice. So when you have some kind of injury and you wrap a medicated bandage around it and it starts pulling out the toxin, that's what a, a community will do for you is it starts pulling out the darkness inside of you and so the temple the reason we see the darkness in the temple and the anger and fuck you and i fucking can't believe you did that to me mom why mom i'll never forgive you dad the reason you see those things is because it's pulling the darkness out of them into the walls of the thing it's literally pulling that out so they have to look at their own anger and see it in front of them they have to see it and the community has to see it so that we don't get into some ridiculous naive idea that we're all just happy-go-lucky loving hippies out here because yeah. that is certainly not the case i don't cry bro i'll work out yeah 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 man and so when you go to the temple you 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 get it you, you get an opportunity to not push back the thing inside of you that needs to be sobbing right now because you lost someone you loved and you never sobbed about it you didn't or you didn't sob enough and that sobbing when we think about what sobbing is it's like <sighs> It's so that's energy being released. That's energy coming out of you. <laughs> it's waves of energy, much like having an orgasm. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Oh, uh. It's energy coming out, but it's a different form of energy. So you're sort of releasing this energy into the community. And what's really cool is there's people there who are holding space. So there's not just people there who are mourning. There's very advanced beings who are in there, who are who are meditating and they're holding space. Uh, for to to be to create a place where people can fully vomit their darkness into this incredible um, architectural temporary work. Yeah, and and, th- and move through it, and not move. not just stay in that space, but actually move through the emotions and come to something on the other side. And then watch the thing get ignited at the end of the burn. So that's the other part: is the entire thing gets burnt to the ground. So this like place that you sort of infused with your sadness or your anger or your grief is actually ceremonially ignited and 70,000 people are silent. Yeah, that's right. So it's a really beautiful ritual, you know, the whole, the whole thing is like an incredible healing ceremony. And, um, yes, thank you. It's also a great place to party. It is. Well, there's always, there's always one guy whenever the temple is burning and everyone is silent and people are crying and then you hear one guy go, "Woo, yeah!" <laughs> or one art car that no way didn't, it. that didn't shut off the. Uh, no way around it. No, when I was sitting there today, <laughs> sitting in the temple today, and an art car goes by, and it's playing sexual 
healing is good for me and you're like dude i mean it's kind of weirdly true like you're you're right in a weird way that definitely would like like help a lot of people or weeping in here but you gotta get your fucking art car away from the goddamn <laughs> temple man and that's the other thing i love about this place is it's like the 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 uh the one part of being human is not just like being a, a being that shares and gives because that's what you do here you, you you work really hard you share you clean up your camp you give people what they need you give them you'll come here with a with shit hoarded you know like okay i've got like all these turkey sandwiches and chips and stuff that you kind of think like all right well at least i'll have this to eat but there's just no way you're gonna open up your cooler and not suddenly find yourself making sandwiches for like five people who are like so happy to have food so the so you're you're everything becomes the communities and it doesn't become the communities by it being taken from you it becomes the community because you realize you would rather be hungry a little hungrier than you wanted to be and be sitting with someone who's a little less hungry than they thought they would be than to be full next to a hungry person. And people are so malleable. That's the cool thing that I love about here is you have five experiences on your first day where you're biking along and someone's like, hey man, you want a bacon wrapped pancake? You're like, oh, hell yeah, I do. Then you go and another one's like, hey man, you want to hop on my art car? Hell yeah, I do. And you're like, hey man, you want to drink at my bar? How much? Oh, it's free, man. No worries. And all of a sudden you start becoming a little more optimistic. And then you're in line for the porta potty and you say, no, you first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these little things throughout our day that are engineered through community and through culture all of a sudden shift our perspective back to what you were talking about. It's like a renaissance fair for communism. But, the, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, obviously, like, when we hear the, the term communism, it summons up some pretty dark his periods in history, you know? But... And and so and and one of the obviously I th- I think one of the like treacherous and maybe unfixable problems of the world we're in is that you run into this strange paradox, which is that there 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 are people who have too much money right now, too much too many resources. They they don't need it. You don't need you don't need twenty billion dollars. You don't you don't need ten billion dollars. You don't need five billion dollars. You don't need a billion dollars. You know, you don't need that. You're, you're going to be with a billion dollars. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. So <clears throat> we have this problem, which is that there's all this energy that's being hoarded by people who don't realize their their intention in hoarding the energy is that they want a certain feeling from having that energetic hoard. They want a certain feeling, I think. And they don't understand that the very thing that they're hoarding to try to get the feeling is the thing that's keeping them from getting the feeling. Because the moment they start distributing that into the, the community fully, and maybe it's just we don't have the structures for them to do that in a way that like allows them to to get the get what they, the reward they deserve like how many times do you hear about the anonymous donor right an anonymous donor and i and whoever the fucking anonymous donor is is all puffed up and shit and it's like i'm so great that i don't want anyone to know that i give right some people are like that you go to a kickstarter or whatever or like go fund me someone's in the hospital 
and it's like, I'm not even going to put my name on it. I don't want anyone to know that I've done this. Well, listen, why not? Be audacious. And that's one of the things I love about this festival is it celebrates audaciousness. It celebrates like the audacity of a community of people spending an entire year to produce an art car that is like the most insane thing that you've ever seen in your life that's playing the most incredible music and is riding through the desert, booming this like amazing music. It's audacious and the people who are in the art car, they're fucking cool, man. And they're drawing crowds of people around them who are like cheering them and dancing and celebrating their coolness. Like you're fucking cool. Whoever you are, man, you're fucking cool. You're like a wizard or something. You're like Gandalf. You better believe I'm gonna dance around you and give you props and like worship you temporarily. Fuck yeah, you deserve it. You're fucking cool. That's not an anonymous donor. That's a a donor that is like doing this because is like it, it, they're giving us a gift and we're giving them the gift back so <clears throat> I, I maybe the problem is that in society we haven't structured it in a way that our, our billionaires can begin to audaciously give their wealth into the world and watch what happens when they when when people begin to dance around them because they've allowed this outflow to come into the universe an outflow of healing with all this great energy that they've been hoarding and it's killing them so well i think that this is a microcosm where you actually get to see shift happen in consciousness right like let's say when you're one of the google guys and you donate all of the yellow bikes so there are all these bikes here yeah. that people can just ride hey you forgot your bike you can ride the the yellow bikes right, right? they get to see that joy on yeah. people's faces and they get to see the um the effect of their giving in this small scope That's and right. i think that for a lot of donors a lot of billionaires the problem that that they feel is that they're throwing money into this pit but they're not seeing the famines stop right right and right. and it's just on a larger scale like i do a lot of um podcasts in hawaii and hawaii is this great mi- microcosm for the rest of the world because they're they're super fertile land they have three growing seasons year round and they get to see shifts happen in their little island community more quickly than right. they, you would see it happen on a, a planetary scale right so i don't know what the so ren what would you call it Radical, renaissance re- fair for communism reminis- yeah except it's all voluntary well, well, but this, I think, ideally is what communism would be. That's what I'm saying is, like, ideally, the problem with communism is this idea of, like, oh, we're going to come to your fucking house with guns. Yeah, knock, and knock, we're gonna knock. we're going to take yeah, your you, shit. Yeah, you So now us. we're going to steal your thing. We're, now we will become thieves in the name of progress. And, and, and I think that's probably because the even though the intention is we want this energy to feed people, uh, the problem is that the modality of taking the energy is violent yes so it's like the idea then would be to begin to create a poultice like i was saying before around the the places where the wealth has been hoarded so the idea is like i'm not gonna we're not gonna take your fucking money but look at this field of people here who are all like like a a community and join together and there are, are, are very wealthy people who come here and they give lots of money to great organizations like MAPS, um, um, uh, the, the, to, to Burning Man itself, to all the, uh, the, there's a lot of great burners without borders. There's people who come here and they see a lot of opportunities for doing that. So I think, you know, the, the idea is what we, what we need to focus on is not how do we get 
money away from people who may have earned it, following rules based on a game that we've been playing for a long time, and therefore it's theirs because that's the way the game works. Let's not worry about that because because nobody wants some violent communist fucking revolution, especially when F-14s are in existence because as far as I'm aware, none of these burners have F-14s, right? So let's just face it. It's probably, uh, I would say like the idea of like having some kind of like ridiculous, like violent revolution to try to like equalize things is, is probably a the very very last resort so instead of that the idea is okay okay let's create these little petri dishes right where suddenly the flow of currency is not based on dollars but is based on love or the intention of loving or the intention of how can i help you how can i heal you what's going on with you how do i become a little uh, synapse in this uh, brain and, and, and what is it you need? And, and so in this tiny little space, we do an experiment on ourselves and in a grand way with all of us together. And then I think from that, we begin to realize this is really possible. And it's happening already. Yeah. Like the future is now. It's just not evenly distributed. That's, That's one of my right. favorite things about doing documentary film is I get to shine the light on these little bright spots that are happening around the world, whether right. it's on an environmental issue or a social That's issue it. or just someone doing something rad. You can say like, hey, this is possible. It's, yes. it's okay to do this another way. That's and it. it's working. That's it. That's it. That's it, man. That's it. Yeah, and 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 and, the, and this is one of the things the Ramdas people say, which I really love, which is uh, we work on ourselves so that we can change the people around us. Right? That's what we do. So you will find in your own personal life that the moment you get rid of a hangup, for real, you'll stop seeing that hangup in other people. You know, the moment you like adjust the thing, even try to adjust the thing. You'll at least have compassion for a person who hasn't figured out how to adjust their thing yet. Because when you run into somebody who's hung up over whatever, they're angry, you know? They're angry usually. Or they're scared. Some people are like, that guy's a fucking dick. Did you, did you hear what fucking Brett did? What a fucking dick. He's such an asshole. You get around him, he brings everything down. Well, the reality is that is a person who is suffering and that is a person who has not been able to, like, fix the fucking hang-up. So, and that's probably a person who isn't in a great community. So what can happen is a community can suddenly wrap around a person who's like that and in some way or another begin to, like, take little bits of their darkness, you know, either by, like, benevolent, benevolent, benevolently making fun of them or even better. Hey, Brett, let's go to the temple. Yeah. Yeah, or being like, man, I just want you to know I really love you, man. You know, I, I like I'm really, 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 really honored to know you, and and like mean it, not bullshit. I'm manipulating you. Like, find that place where you love Brett, whoever it is. You know, I really love you, man. I think you're, I think you're amazing. And when that starts coming from a bunch of different people in different ways, then th then that's when you start seeing the transformation happen in the person because they're like, whoa, it's all of us. It's not enough. You're not enough. I'm not enough. None of us are enough. 
We are not enough. Not You are not going to fucking heal whoever it is you're trying to heal by yourself. But if you bring that person into a community of people... Oh. And especially if you give them a specific compliment. Like, if I'm like, hey, Duncan, I always love it how you show up on time. Like, that's just an epic yeah, quality. And yeah. then you get that from, like, five other people. Yeah, yeah. Damn right you're going to start showing up on time because that's a quality that you embody about yourself. Yeah. Like, that's something happened to me, like, a number of years ago where I had a few different people that I really respected say, like, hey, Kyle, I really love that you always follow up with emails. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm the kind of guy who follows up with emails. Go. I'm going to start yeah. following up with emails that's right. more. And that's how behavior changes. That's right. You, you're, you're, you're exactly. That's what the community will do is it's going to start rewarding your connective actions more than it's going to be. And it's going to start not rewarding the actions you do to, to, right. to break up the community. So the more you, like, connect... And you will connect. Everyone has something to offer. Everyone has. So I'm, I'm not good at much. I'm, I can podcast. I do stand-up comedy. Um, and that's what I do. But as far as like a lot of people in my camp, they're engineers. They're literal. And they're doctors. And they know how to build shit. Right? So when I come here, I, some part of me feels a little like, man, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how I'm going to help here. But sure enough... You find a place where it's like, oh, you don't have to know how to fucking construct a goddamn some kind of ridiculous like LED light <laughs> rocket ship rocket ship tapestry <laughs> thing. You can just you could just carry rebar. You know what? You can carry piles of rebar around because that's what they need. They don't need you to fucking. You got to know your place on the bus. You know, like know where you're at. Like. Did, did you have from a young age a lot of people tell you that you were good at comedy and that that reinforced you yeah, to continue down that path I was a, I, I, so in the in the old days I would just like get these uh, books of awful awful jokes called truly tasteless jokes you know like jokes like uh, what's the difference between a chickpea and a garbanzo bean what it doesn't cost five hundred dollars to have a garbanzo bean in your mouth. Ah! <laughs> so, stupid. <laughs> so stupid shit like that. So I like memorize these idiotic fucking jokes. I'd memorize these idiotic jokes, and then I'd sit on the school bus and tell them to people. So I'd go home, I'd read these stock jokes, memorize them, and then like sitting on the school bus would like be like hey you want to hear this joke and i and i tell people and it would make people laugh and i can remember once this like because i grew up in the south this south this, this southern girl was like you should be a comedian and laughed but but i was like i never thought i would be a comedian so but i used it as a defense mechanism you know because if you can make people laugh you know you you get a little bit of a superpower or something but i yeah. was never even the class clown I mean, there was you know the, the, the but i yeah so no i never i i i'd never had the you, a lot of people just accidentally become comedians. You know what I mean? It just kind of happens. You just start doing stand-up. When did you start doing open mics? Well, what happened is I moved to L.A. and um, out of college, and I got a job working on the phones at the comedy store. And because you could work on the phones at the comedy store, you got three minutes of stage time every Sunday. And that seemed like a fucking infinity, man. An infinity. Like, three minutes on stage. It's like, how are you going to, like, tell jokes for three fucking minutes it's impossible it's an impossibility so 
I started doing that, and then uh, Rogan eventually like saw me on stage. We but we've been talking on the phone, but he saw me have a good set, and then he started taking me on the road with him, and then, um, then I just started. That's how it happened, you know, something like that. That's how I started. Do you do you remember like so? That's I'm guessing a time when the, the lifeguards trying to call you back into your zone, out of the buoys. You're going out on stage. Was there like any moment where you really had to decide that you were gonna like do it, or like what was the conversation? Every time, every time I go on stage, the lifeguard. I'm having to fucking push past those lifeguards. Like every time, and even now. Oh my! Even now, like I think the moment that you you get to the point where you're not respect. Like the thing is ridiculous that you're doing. But people are, like, getting babysitters, and people are, like, you know what I mean, paying money for tickets. So, like, you got to respect those people and, and like, give them, if nothing else, give them your truth. And be as in that moment as you can. And uh, so I always feel, when I do that, incredibly, like, charged up. And, like, I want, and and it's like, you want to give them something. You want to love, you want to give them something. You want them you want to, in, them in the room to like like have a little have some kind I mean look it sounds so cheesy right you, but you do want you want to be I don't even know why it's so embarrassing to say this but I would like to be a part of the the healing of the universe I want to be part of that I, I love it when my body gets cut and heals right I love that my body has that function that's a great thing it's great but I don't want that to stop with my body I would like to be part in any way I can of like making the world a sweeter place, sweetening the world, right? And so comedy is one way to do that. It's not the only way, it's one way. You know, yeah. for me, my podcast is at least equally important to me, you know, equally, probably more important to me at this point, you know, uh, but both both versions of me, um, enjoy the moments where you realize that people who might normally have never heard the ideas that you have are hearing them and not hating you for them but they're you're actually making them crack up that's a great feeling man today i was biking down the road and uh there was a camp on the left they were like hey you want a a bacon pancake like fuck yeah i want a bacon pancake and the guy um who gave it to me had this little pin and he said ask me about my shame I said, wow, tell me about your shame, man. I'm eating my bacon pancake. And he's told me this story about how his parents told him something really horrible about himself when he was younger. And he carried that around as shame. And he said, you yeah. know what the difference between shame and guilt is? I said, what? He said, you embody shame. Shame means I am bad. And guilt means wow. I did something bad. But wow. I can atone for that. Oh, for that, fuck. Right? That's so heavy, dude. Super heavy. I'm eating my bacon pancake. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't sign up for this shit. <laughs> Right, but but it's it it stuck with me, and he finished the conversation. <laughs> Clearly, it was a it was a profound bacon pancake, and he said, "You know, shame thrives in the darkness, and it leaves us when we talk about it." That's so by it. so by you talking on stage about something that maybe you're ashamed of, yes. something that you're dealing with, you're putting it out into the light. Yeah, but by being yourself, that be just be yourself. That's the thing, and and yeah, and 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 whatever happens when you're being yourself, it you you have won. You know, it's it's the it's like, 
in, in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, you know the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. So you know Krishna, Arjuna doesn't want to fight initially, and Krishna is giving all these reasons to fight, and people confuse it with like this is why war is good, but it's not a book of war, um, but it's set on a battlefield. But there, one of the reasons he gives him to fight is you're a warrior. This is what you do. You fight, and to, what what greater death? than to die in a sacred war. What better death than that? Not to get eaten alive by some disease, but to fall on a battlefield fighting for what's right. You, if you die in the, in the war, and lose the war, if you die on that battlefield, you have won. You are eternally a champion. You may have been vanquished, but you will forever have been a thing that was vanquished for love and there's nothing better than that so to be yourself and to follow your heart does not mean that things are going to end up okay for you it's not a disney movie you know and the disney movies tell us follow your heart and it's all going to work out in the end they're going to do a fucking some kind of like salsa dance and everything will be fine no you might die you might die following your heart princess bride what do you say? Uh, uh, what do you say? Life is pain. Anyone who uh, says anything different is selling something. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, but but the, the 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 that kind of failure is not failure. No. That kind of failure is success. Failing at love, failing in the attempt to love, is is success. Failing in the attempt to heal is success. Failing in the attempt to connect instead of to divide is still success because you tried. You didn't like shrink up and you didn't ignore it and you didn't think, all right, I'm just going to like let this thing, I'm just going to pretend I don't see the pain in this person's face. How do you work through it if you bomb on stage? You feel like shit, man, until your next set. You just like, you feel terrible. You, you, you go home and you feel like bad and you question your life and you like look at your at what you're doing you think maybe i'm a fraud what am i doing you Is do it? still fuck yeah you do man like god damn it you better like what are you gonna like you know what i mean like what are you gonna do you're gonna like you, you're gonna like get off stage where like you haven't made people laugh and you're like that was awesome well i mean you can do that if you want but it's like you need to like a like you're a surfer if you like wipe out in some disastrous it's, way. It's going to suck. Yeah, it's going to suck. You're not going to be like, that was awesome. I got I should just yeah. keep doing. Well, some people do, but you, those people don't get good at it. I remember I interviewed uh, Van Jones, the environmentalist. He, he's done a lot of work um, around getting people out of prisons into green jobs. So the whole premise of his organization wow. is getting the people who most need work to the, the work that most needs to be done. Wow. And he's a, a fantastic presenter. And I interviewed him and I asked him about about his skill as a presenter and he said you need to love it enough to be there in the moment on stage but you need to hate bombing because there are the people who just love being on stage and they'll still suck it doesn't matter for them so i I would imagine that that's why you've gotten good at it you don't feel yeah you you certainly but i i I don't know how you could love bombing it's like, how do you love like going into the porta potties out here? <laughs> There's just no way to do do it. I mean, you should love yourself no matter what. But like, if, if like you're, like, it's good to analyze the what. It, 
if something doesn't work out and whatever your chosen profession is, it's good to work, just work out like technically what was I doing wrong? What was the environment? You know, like I guess with surfing, it's like what's really cool about surfing and I think what's interesting about it, even though I've never surfed a day in my life, but I certainly have watched surfers and uh, when I go to the retreats, I'll go and sit on the beach and watch surfers in, in Maui and it's just like, it's like one of the most glorious things you know, and then these little kids, these little fucking kids out there, man. And they're riding these fucking waves, man, with their dads. They're out there with their dads riding these big waves and their dads trust them and the ocean enough and like their own ability to like let their kids do this. And it's, you, you realize that, that, you know, everything is a waveform. So when you're seeing humans literally gracefully dancing with a waveform and which is a communication with uh, the uh, material part of the universe, it's one of the most glorious things to see. And, and so where I would like connect the, um, where I would connect surfing to stand-up comedy is that every time you get on stage, it's a different audience. It's a different waveform. You're surfing a different fucking wave, right? So it's like part of stand-up comedy is not getting on stage and like um, doing the exact... You can't, as a surfer, you can't go out in the ocean and surf the same way more than once, right? Right. Every time you're going to be doing different things. You, there's, if you keep trying to surf the exact same way, the identical way, if you keep trying to surf the identical way, you're going to wipe out every other time right right i guess i mean you can't like because it's every way is different so in the same way with an audience you have to like feel the energy of the audience and feel what it is and what's going on here and what is this crowd and who are we and where are we in this moment and that's how you enter into that, that you drop in to the act is you're dropping in to the present moment based on a real specific feeling of energy pushing up against you from the crowd and you're good and, and so bombing is really a form of wiping out because like that in, something in the energy of the crowd or something you know I, I don't know if this is true for surfing with stand-up if you think about what you're doing you're kind of fucked man if you start planning you're doomed the moment you realize you're like thinking about what you're gonna say oof bad news and you know it you know because now your timing's going to start getting thrown because you're like you're already a few steps of your head of yourself instead of being right there so it's a that's part of the connection it's like reading this energetic field and it's glorious when it works you know and when, when you start like really because you start having a great like playful like Re- playful relationship yes with it. yeah i um I used ayahuasca last year for the first time, and on my <clears throat> on my trip, I was brought into this underwater world, and I'm, like my life is very much water. Like I've been surfing since I was nine or ten years old. Crazy. Um, I most of my people, my friends, are water people. Yeah. And I hadn't realized it, but I developed a lot of shame around my relationship with surfing, and a lot of like weird, insecure fears about not being good enough. You know, because like yeah. I do, I do, as I said, like documentary about environmental stories as well as surfing, and there are a lot of way better 
surfers out there than me. So I've kind of walked around with this thing in my head about like, fuck, I'm not really good enough. That's I'm weird, this man, fraud. Like, just to compare each other. I must say there there are no better comedians than me. I'm the best. Comedian. Right. No, I'm just kidding. It's so funny you're saying this because they feel the same right. exact way, dude. There's so many better comedians, and I know what you mean, dude. I'm sorry for cutting you off. It's such a cool thing to hear you say it because because I God, am I a fraud? Because there's people who are like, look at them, look at yeah. what they're doing. Keep going. Sorry. Well, to cut no, you and off. especially I think when you start like when you start receiving some success from it, that's when you really start feeling like a fraud. Yeah. Right. When like you are getting you know when you're the banner uh, out front yeah. the comedy store and you're like yeah. fuck that guy's better than me though or yeah. I mean I, I don't want to put words in your mouth but like for me at least like yeah I developed a ton of of shame around it and man like it it really helped me that experience to just just let go and learn how to just enjoy the ocean and I remember the next day um, I went out into the ocean and just body surfed like, I really have been working since that experience on enjoying the ocean for what it is. There you go, you man. Know? And the moment you go on stage with that feeling, just that, they, the audience feels that, and I bet the ocean feels it. And the moment you, you go in there and you're like, hey, what's up, friend? And it's like, hey, what's up? Then you play, and it's great. But the moment you go on, in, you know, on stage and, and with, a, with some weird intent, I'm going to fucking crush tonight. I'm going to really make these people. It's like weird. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. And I'm going to show my father. And my P. Yes, that's it. I'm going to. Tonight, I'm really going to make my father love me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like when you get out there, you're like, oh, yeah, let's play. And the moment you're like, let's have some fun. And then, then, then now you realize everything speaks this language. Not just people, but people and crowds. And not just people and crowds but people and matter you know and people in the and 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 in, the, in nature the moment you go into the world with that feeling of like hey i love you can we hang out for a second it's a whole different universe than the moment you're like what can i take from you <laughs> give me give me give me give me what do you have for me what do you have for me today then it's gonna act exactly the way you would act if someone was like give me give me give me you're gonna be like get the fuck away from me man <laughs> No, I'm not giving you shit. Beat it. (laughs) (laughs) Have you found that uh, psychedelics have helped your relationship with being easy on yourself? Oh, yeah. Psychedelic, yeah, absolutely. And and also having a... Uh, a, a good community around me because I have this my burning Burning Man community, but and I also have the Ramdas community, and they love me and and they let me be myself and they let me like fucking tell bad jokes. They let me not be perfect and and they still love me. And 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 if I say something that's particularly hard on myself, they won't stop me from saying it. But you can see in their face, they're they're like, don't do don't do that. You know why are you doing that to you? To do, you? Can you think of an example of that? Yeah, man. Like, I, I, there, there's, like, plenty of people who won't let me get away with, like, anytime I've done, like, a... We have to love our, ourselves, right? So I'm trying to think of a specific example. And, and right now, nothing's popping into my head, but I'll tell you a, a story that I really love that um, they tell about Neem Karoli Baba, who is my guru, is Ram Dass's guru. I never got to meet him in the body, but... Um, you get around to being like that and um 
they just love you, man. Like they, they just love you and they, they don't love, they don't love your tail feathers that you're throwing up to the world. They love the whole fucking spectrum, right? And they really love you and they know everything about you. They, they're telepath. They're telepathic. They see right through you. You're just a field to them and they love every little piece of that field. And so when you get around that, it is one of the most intense experiences you can have. And it's very similar to coming to the burn because the burn is a guru. The burn, it's totality. It becomes a guru. And what a guru does is it finds that fucking block and goes, it just pushes it. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. But it doesn't push it like an asshole does. Which is like, what's fucking wrong with you, man? What the fuck did you do that? It's like the way someone massages your back. It's like, all right, let's work on this a little bit. Let's work on this. Let me just activate it. See that? See where you're mad right now, right? Okay. Let's feel that anger. Let's feel that. Let's feel that. But it loves it, right? So the story, when um, you get around Neem Karoli Baba, it's like people would cry. And like I remember Krishnadas saying, to Neem Karoli Baba, I, I just, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve to feel this love. I don't deserve this. I am too fucked up to deserve this. I'm fucked up. I'm fucked up. And Neem Karoli Baba was like, stand up. And, you know, he speaks like broken English. He had translations, but he stand up, stands up, and he's like, turn around. And he turns around and he says, I don't see anything wrong with you at all. And it was much deeper than that. It's like, I see all of you and I love you still. I love you still. You deserve it. I love you. And that is a transformative experience, you know? So when I am not doing that to myself, when I'm like, dude, you're too fuck, you're fat, man. You got to lose some fucking weight, man. You got to get a six pack or you don't work hard enough or you're like, Whatever it is, man. Whatever the fucking thing is, you know, where I'm like, oh, look, you're messy. You should clean up this fucking team. Whatever the thing is, I just catch it. You know, I just at least catch it. So catch, catch the thought. Yeah. So not, you can't stop a thought. It's like any more than you, you can stop saliva. It. Right. So notice the thought emerge and choose love over fear. So you're like, I'm going to love. No, no. I'm, I'm going to love that piece of me that is hurting enough to hate itself. Okay, okay, it's cool, man. We'll work through this, we'll do this, it's cool. You know, we're gonna, we're, we are imperfect. And that pain that you're feeling that produced the thought, when we begin to look into that pain, that's where it gets really interesting. Because you realize the pain is perfect. The feeling of pain is a perfect feeling of pain. The pain is working just fine. The suffering is perfect. And then you realize you are producing perfection even in your pain. Do you know what I'm saying? The pain itself is a perfect form of energy. And then you start looking deeper into the pixels of the pain and you realize that the pain is made of bliss. The pain is just a, a distribution of bliss that's too condensed and it hurts, but it's still perfect. And then you begin to realize, oh my God, even my imperfection is perfect. And in those moments, that's where you can start. Like, instead of loving yourself based on a future version, like that's what a lot of people do. I'm going to start loving myself after I lose 15 pounds. Can you think of an example in your own life right now where you're working to have that dynamic at play? 
What loving like, myself? Yeah, more? loving. Yeah, like something that you're insecure with, and like going, like like chasing that pain and seeing the bliss beneath it. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm one thing that I'm trying trying to do is is to to be less ashamed of being a an overt. Um, uh, God, healer. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to heal. I want to be that, you know? And, I, and I'm like, in my podcast, I always have to, like, tiptoe around it because I don't want to sound didactic. So it's something I'm really working on right now is because it's like, because uh, you don't want to sound so sappy. It's, it's such an embarrassing thing to say, man. You know what I mean? But I want to be on the team, on this team. I want to be on that on the team. There's a team right now that's trying to make uh, uh, an, apocal- uh, 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 an apocalypse a military apocalypse not happen and i want to be on that team you you know i I know yeah but i would imagine that it's hard in your position because you're a comedian and yeah but and like a a joke is like building up this premise and then ripping it down well well, welcome to it welcome to it man this is the problem this is one of my big problems and 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 i'm I, i don't know the answer to it and i certainly don't want to have to choose between like comedy and some other thing but um, if I if I couldn't figure out a way to like articulate something into the world that was like simultaneously healing and funny, then I would only then I would just pick healing. I wouldn't pick funny. I wouldn't. I would rather be something that's like making things better than just be funny. That's where I'm where I'm at. And I think you can be both, but I always struggle with that because you can't really come on stage and be like. I Bam! Just shoot yourself. How's everyone doing tonight? You know, you really just need to love yourself. I love everybody. Just shoot yourself. You just say that and then just blow your brains out. Just blow your brains out on stage. I I don't. So so yeah, man. I don't like it. That's that's a real that's a real problem. But some sometimes I I play the part of a. I act more skeptical than I am, or I play the part of um, someone who's like unconvinced when I'm a lot more convinced than I act, you know? So at some point I have to just like deal with that and stop. Who are people who you respect who you think do that well? Ramdas. Ramdas. Just un- unashamed. He's, lo- he's of pure love. He's just pure, being pure love. And also being purely himself. I mean, the beautiful thing about Ramdas is like, He's completely honest. Like one of my favorite stories about Ramdas is, uh, you know, he was a he's like a he he was gay when it was not cool to be gay, and he uh, had just gotten back from India. He'd, he'd written "Be Here Now," and he was like a spiritual leader, a teacher, and he's standing in line at, at a movie. At a, I, I, I'm assuming it's a gay pornographic movie theater. Theoretically, like to go in there and jerk off, I'd say. At least to watch probably some gay porn, right? So he's standing in line, and someone who's like, Red, be here now, sees him. It's like, Ramdas, you changed my life. You're my teacher. Neem Karoli Baba. And Ramdas realizes this guy does not know he's in line at a fucking porn theater. So he realized, I have, to, I have to make a decision right now. I can tell this guy, like, let's go get coffee. And he'll never, ever know what I was about to do. Or I can just be myself 
And so Ramdas says to him, hey, I'm, I really appreciate it, but I'm going in here now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he went in and he did it. And he tells that story because that's who he is. That's who it's called. That's who he is. You know? So I really respect that because it's not this, you know, phony, holy bullshit. I love all you people. It's like, no, I'm fucked up too. I got my thing too, man. Not that going into gay porn theaters is fucked up, but I'm not your idea of what you think perfection looks like. And I'm not going to try to be your idea of what perfection looks like. Because if I try to be your idea of what I think perfection looks like, then how the f- what the fuck am I? Then suddenly I've just given up on, on what I am. So I, that, he's an example of it. That's great. I would imagine that having your podcast is also a very freeing experience because when people meet you, they have a better sense of who you are rather than being like an Instagram model, right? Where people yeah. have this projection yes. of you and yes. what you write down on your little screen that it's wildly different than who you are. Yeah. In reality, that's right. Yeah, they do, and 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 that's that's right. Yeah, they do, and I and I'm very grateful for that because I I, I get to be mostly honest on my podcast, when I, and and every time I'm I'm I push past the boundary of like revelation, the response I always get back is, is healing. You know, people are like, "That's fine, it's fine," you know. So it's a that's why podcasting is so cool. You don't have to play this game of pretending to be something you're not you can just like this is where i'm at you know and it's a it's a good place to be even when it's not a great place it's a good place to be everything's perfect everything's truly perfect and the human incarnation is a wonderful thing to have and this dimension that we're in right now it's a really great place it really really is this is a really good place to end up you don't have to be here but the fact that you are here means you wanted to be here you just forgot that you wanted to be here you definitely want to be here and once you start realizing that then you can work with it because if you like this place which i very much i really love it here then let's start making it shine, man. Let's start making it shine. Let's make it really beautiful, right? Let's see how beautiful we can make this space, you know? And 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 I think that's a really, really fun way to live and a, a really um, great way to battle your darkness. Thanks for taking the time to sit down with me, Duncan. Hare Krishna, what a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to leave you with a song by the band Sourgrass called Flashing Lights. And I will link to their band page in the show notes underneath Duncan's episode on my website, kyle.surf. If you are a musician and you want your tunes played at the end of my podcast, get in touch with me. Or if you have feedback on the show, recommendations for new guests, or just want to say hello, I always love hearing from you. All right? I'll see you soon. Get out in the ocean. If you're not near an ocean, get in a lake. If you're not near a lake, get in a bathtub. I promise it will make your day better. See you soon, and thanks for listening.
Let's go out.